Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. reading today comes from the fifth chapter of Mark's gospel. We'll be reading the first 20 verses. As we come to this passage, first join me in a word of prayer. Gracious God, it is your word and your word alone that is life for us. And so we pray, O God, as we gather around these ancient words that it might be your word that we hear your word that points us to the living word, the Christ. We are here, O God. We are listening. Speak to us, we pray, in the name of Christ. Amen. Listen to this. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains. He was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it, and they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by the demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, go home to your friends, And tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. 
And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Well, Mark tells us that Jesus travels into Gentile territory. If you didn't know the Gerasenes were in Gentile territory, the fact that the story happens with some pig farmers is a good clue. Mark wants the Gentiles in the congregation that he's writing to, Gentiles who are followers of Jesus the Messiah, to know that they are included in his story, in the ministry of Jesus. They are included in this gospel. It says when Jesus arrives, he's met by a strange man, a man who has been pushed out of his community, probably because he scared everybody. This demoniac is like that old terrible TV show, The Incredible Hulk. They try to chain him, they try to bind him, but they can't. He breaks the chains apart. His, his strength frightens them. So they push him out of the community and he lives among the tombs, it says. It's not a subtle statement. He's as good as dead to them. The demons have complete control of his life. Now, a, a couple of things will help you in interpreting this to know these two things about demons in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, first of all, demons always talk. As a matter of fact, most of the conversation that happens between this man and Jesus is conversation between the demons and Jesus. Don't torment us, send us into the swines. It's the demons that are talking, whatever that means. The other thing that's peculiar about demons in this gospel is they always know exactly who Jesus is. Now, that might not seem odd, except for nobody else fully gets him. Nobody else completely understands who he is, but the demons do, and they push against him. They, they battle against Jesus because they're at cross-purposes. Demons try to erode human life. Jesus tries to make it abundant. Now, I, I don't really know, I don't really know how to speak of demons. It's old world language, that's for sure. But I know the human conditions that the gospel writers would describe when they would speak of demons. It's sometimes mental illness. It's sometimes physical ailment. It's sometimes just pain of body or spirit. It's sometimes blindness or some other affliction Anything that erodes human flourishing, the Gospels would say, that's evil. That's, that's not of, of God. Mark describes that as living in the wilderness. And Mark has already told us that Jesus is the one who is cast into that wilderness to battle the demons, to to battle against anything that erodes human thriving, fighting demons is just part of the job. 
Well, it says Jesus cast the demons into this herd of swine who rushed down the hill and drown in the sea. I was doing a Bible study on this passage once, and someone said, Tom, this story doesn't make any sense. Pigs can swim. I said, that's the part of the story that you find odd? <laughs> well, at that point, the miracle is over, but the story is really just getting started. This remarkable deed of Jesus draws a crowd, but they're not very pleased with him. This is what it says. They came and they saw the demoniac sitting, clothed, in his right mind, and they were afraid. What's so scary about the man sitting, clothed, in his right mind? Well, I think it's because they didn't completely see what had happened here. This is what they saw. There was a man who had so much power, he could not be controlled. They had to push him out of their community. And here comes one who gets out of the boat who has enough power to cast those demons out. They're afraid. And so they asked Jesus, to leave. Actually, they say, leave our neighborhood. <laughs> leave our neighborhood. But the man who had, had the demons, he has a different reaction. He goes to Jesus and says, I want to come with you. Now, look, this is interesting, too, because, because from time to time, we know Jesus calls people to come and follow him. You come and follow me. You come and follow me. This is the first time he gets a volunteer. I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no, you can't do that. You've got to go back to your friends. I don't know where Jesus thought this guy had friends. You go back to your friends, he says, and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he has had mercy on you. If I understand the text, the whole story has been building to that word, mercy. And more specifically, the man has to go back and tell them that he experienced mercy because I don't think anybody saw it. They saw the power. I just don't think they saw the mercy. You know, sometimes things can be right in front of us and we can't see it. I was standing in my closet fearing that my son had swiped my blue blazer. Couldn't see it, couldn't find it. Carol was there, there. I said, Carol, I can't find my blue blazer. She walked in the closet, she pulled it off the rack, she handed it to me. She said, here you go, Bartimaeus. Uh, Bartimaeus is a blind guy. We'll get to him in a few weeks. Sometimes, sometimes the truth can be right in front of us. And because we see something, we assume we see the whole of it, but there can be something right in front of us that we miss. The whole town came out and saw something, but they didn't see mercy. And Jesus tells this man, I'm sorry, but if they don't see that, they have no idea what really happened here. 
call came from the kitchen where my grandmother was preparing her world-famous peach cobbler, I'm sure, and she said to me, Tom, stop that right now. I don't remember exactly what it was I was doing that I needed to stop in part because the options are abundant. and It's not a short list of what I might have been doing that I shouldn't have been doing. What I do remember is being bewildered that my grandmother knew that I was doing something I wasn't doing because she wasn't even in the room. She was good like that. She knew everything. There were no secrets with this woman. When pressed, I said, how do you know? She says, I have eyes in the back of my head. That's what she would say. I have eyes in the back of my head. I can see everything you do. It was kind of spooky. Jesus could see everything too and was constantly seeing things that those around him failed to see. The demoniac was scary. He was strong and intimidating and cried out in the night. And everyone could see that. So they bound him. They chained him. They pushed him out to live among the tombs. They had no help for whatever his mental illness was. They just treated him as if he was dead to them. That's all they saw. Jesus saw all of that too, but somehow, like he he has eyes who can see through walls, he looks through all of that craziness, looks through all of that chaos, and sees a human being down in there, and he speaks to him. You know, when we can see the humanness, the real humanness in one another, mercy Mercy is easier. When we just see the brokenness, when we just see what's wrong with one another, it's hard to be merciful. But when we see the humanness in one another, mercy comes more easily. And the reality is we live in a call-out time. I see what's wrong with you. I call out what's wrong with you. I, I, I see where you messed up. I see where you did the wrong thing, where you said the wrong thing, where you didn't live up. You're not enough. That's pretty easy. Because the truth is that's always there. But to look through that and to see the human, to see the beautiful, to see the gracious, that's... That's harder work, it's, but it's the place that mercy blooms. D- David Ford was a professor of divinity at Cambridge University. We really have to come up with better titles for this, professor of divinity. Um, in his book, The Shape of Living, he tells of visiting the large community. It's, it's a... Uh, international community, and it provides refuge, home for special needs adults. Dr. Ford said he visited with a woman named Catherine who, who worked with Larch, and, and he, he asked her, your work, is, your work is demanding. Where do you get the energy? Where do you get the patience to do it day after day after day? She said, you know, What we're really doing here with every person is we're waiting for the beauty to appear. 
We're waiting for the beauty to appear. She said, it may take years, and sometimes you have to adjust your eyes to see different kinds of beauty, but it's always there. Every day, we're just waiting for the beauty to appear. I think that's a Christian practice, to look for the beauty in one another. Because unless we see the beautiful, the demons are going to win every time. My grandmother could tell me, could tell when I was getting into mischief, she didn't even have to be in the room, and it was kind of spooky, eyes in the back of my head, she would say, but it was spooky, but it never really frightened me. It never did, because I knew this. She saw me. She saw me, not just what I was doing. She saw me, and in the ways that grandparents do, she loved what she saw. I trusted that. Sometimes it may feel like you're not really seen, not really. We kind of go through... We go through and aren't really recognized for who we are, that, that our failure, that our disappointments, that the things we're ashamed of or embarrassed of, those are kind of front and center. And to use that biblical image, the image of God in us gets blurred, that glimmer of God in us gets overlooked. But Jesus sees it every time. And that's what makes mercy possible. When we see the humanness in one another, mercy follows. So, you know, last month, last month, my special needs brother Gene had his 60th birthday. He, he doesn't travel anymore, so he started to miss some family gatherings, Christmas together, or the holidays. He missed our daughter's wedding, can't travel. So my siblings and I, we all gathered in Natchitoches, Louisiana. It's actually spelled Natchitoches, but it's Natchitoches. It's the little town where the movie Steel Magnolias was filmed, if you ever saw that. And it's been home for my brother since before that old movie was made. So my my sister told my brother that last year I wrote a little book, and so Gene said, brother, or voila, as he says, what's your book about? I said, well, Gene, it's, it's a church book. He said, oh. <laughs> I said, but Gene, I, I talk about you in the book. He got kind of quiet, and then he said, my brother. I can't believe he wrote a book about me. <laughs> I said, well, gee, uh, actually, that's exactly right. Well, well, we all got together for his birthday, and I took him a copy of the book. He can't read, not even go, dog, go. He can't read. But I took him a copy of the book, and we sat at the kitchen table in our little Airbnb, and I read from a page. I read to him where I talk about him. And he just beamed. I don't know, it might have been the best part of his birthday. He 
went back to his little group home and showed everybody this is the book about me. About an hour after we read, I, f- I found him at the kitchen table. He had, he had the book again, and he was turning the pages. Now, he can't read, but he does recognize his own name. And he was turning the pages, looking for his name, and he found it. My younger brother said, Gene, did you find your name? He said, I did. Jim said, well, then look for my name. He said, Jim, the book is not about you. It's about me. (laughs) Now, look, I don't know what was going on in that unusual mind of his. But here's what I hope. I hope he was feeling seen. I hope he was trusting. I see you, brother. I see through all that stuff that stands between you and the world, and I see the man that's buried down in there somewhere, and you look pretty beautiful to me. That's what I hope. Anyone can see the demons, but if that's all we see, the demons win. But seeing the human, the beautiful, that's holy work. Now, look, I could talk about all the ways that you are so good at doing that. You see the beautiful in our children. You, you keep the promises we make to them at baptism that will be a place where they can grow up to know they're loved by God and loved by us. You, you see the beauty in the brokenhearted when you just stand silently to host a memorial reception, not to give answers, but just to let people know when they need it the most, they're not alone. You see the beauty in our neighbors when they have to admit that life hasn't gone as they wanted. They've tried hard, but still things have fallen apart and they need some food for their family. Just yesterday, a group of you gathered to to put, put a home together for some refugees and Afghanistan, you anticipate the beauty in strangers from a strange land. You're good at this, and I could go on. But today, I'm not asking you to be more like Jesus. Today, I'm paying attention to when you feel like this demoniac. For those days when you feel that What's gone wrong has gotten in the way when failure or hurt or disappointment has cluttered up your engagement with the world and you feel invisible a bit. I want you to hear the promise of this gospel that God sees you. And whatever stuff is cluttering up your world, whatever may be covering up that glimmer of God in you, God sees through all of that, and God sees you. And kind of like a grandmother, God absolutely loves what she sees. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.